Welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan. I'm here with Matthew Statler. And we are back at it again. Last week, Matt, we talked about the holiness of God, how um, that attribute of God has massive implications for how we're to live our life, how we are to be as believers, right? And, you know, you know, Matt and I, as we kind of talk through the year, what we wanted to talk about in 2022, uh, there was something first and foremost significant that was on my mind. I think it was on Matt's mind as we are, you know, biblical counselors and pastors. We walk with people through a, a, an array of different things. But one of the things that we end up talking quite a bit about with folks is the subject matter of chronic illness um, or um, diagnoses, um, to use a different uh, terminology. A lot of that kind of talks through mental illness, but also physical illnesses. And so we wanted to uh, address the physical side more so than the uh, the mental side, which is, you know, what we talk about a lot, things like anxiety and depression, despair, or, um, bipolar disorder, so on and so forth. We talk a lot about those things, but, you know, the question we have, right, is, man, does the Bible talk about chronic illnesses? Does it talk about cancer? Does it talk about diabetes or scoliosis or anything else that would cause us significant amount of discomfort and pain over the course of our lives, right? And, it, and Matt, it takes me back to the, the Latin phrase, quorum Deo, which means to live in the presence of God under the authority of God. Um, how do we do that while we're dealing with physical ailments? And, you know, Matt and I, discuss a lot, man. It's not that the Bible says what your diagnosis is every time in, in the counsel of God, but that it talks so much about these things. And so Matt and I, you know, thinking about a couple of passages, you know, and, and we just wanted to verbally process, um, honestly, what scripture talks about and how it informs the way we navigate those horizons. So over the course of the next couple of weeks, Matt and I are going to kind of talk about, okay, I have a chronic illness. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm miserable physically. How do I go forward? Uh, next week, we kind of wanted to talk about what that looks like for a loved one. My loved one has a chronic illness and how do I encourage, how do I minister to someone like that? And then uh, hopefully the last week, our goal is to talk about, okay, so I've been diagnosed. Now what? Um, how do I go forward? Um, Matt, you know, um, both of us have dealt with versions of this. Um, I have, uh, I'm a diabetic and that came after I got out of the service where my pancreas began to fail and doctors would tell me, Hey, you're going to have to inject insulin into your body every day, multiple multiple times a day for the rest of your life, or else you will die quickly. Um, and that's something that I have to live with. Uh, it affects um, my day um, massively from how I feel. If my sugar's high, 
I feel lethargic. I feel like um, I've been beaten up, <laughs> to be honest. Um, if my sugar's low, I feel almost drunk. Um, like I can't think straight. Like, uh, like uh, it's frustrating. Like my brain's not working. I feel slow, right? Um, that's something I kind of deal with. Matt, what's been your experience with chronic illness? Uh, personally, let's establish some some ethos to this conversation because uh, this isn't something that you know we're we're not physically dealing with. Also, well, you know, Neil, uh, when you you know when you talk about your diagnosis, I, I can imagine you hearing those words, right? You have this, or this is what you have. You're going to have to experience the rest of your life, right? The the, the language of hopelessness kind of begins to. Uh, pervade that and you start thinking about just the constant requirements on your um, on you physically but also on your soul right how are you being stretched spiritually um, whereas with me my chronic illness and, and, and is more pain than anything else just back pain knee pain foot pain um, I'm getting fatter and so I have to work <laughs> out more but it doesn't do any good because it hurts and um so just the constant dealing with this pain, you, you, you kind of feel overwhelmed maybe to a, to a point where, you know, will you be able to make, um, will you be able to make it? Will you be able to face each day anew with this type of pain? Um, so, so there's that. I know uh, I don't really see being diagnosed with like post-traumatic stress sure. as necessarily a chronic illness or chronic disease, but I do see um, parallels, right? And so um, experiencing night terrors is an unpleasant uh, experience for me. Uh, it affects how I, um, it affects your day-to-day -day routine, your life, uh, and, and just what you go through. And so I can imagine someone who has just been recently diagnosed with um, a chronic illness like Parkinson's or um, something, and, and they experience this pain so there's some relief because now you have an answer to what is going on, right? Like, why is this sure. pain or why is this situation happening? So there's an answer to it. There's a name, a label placed on it. Um, and so there's some hope there because you're like, okay, there's a solution. I don't know. I'm not suffering this for no reason. Uh, but we as Christians also have an answer to the suffering that we experience and we go through. Um, there's a there's a purpose behind everything we experience. There's not um, it's not an accident or the stars aligning a certain way or um, or luck or anything like that. God is um, a purpose for it. And so if he has a purpose for it, we can um, find purpose in it ourselves, but also joy. Um, and, and that's where we want to get to. But right right away, when you get a diagnosis that you've um, you know, you have this issue, this chronic illness, this um, really there's no end in sight for it. Right. You you will not be alleviated of these pains and these symptoms until you die. Um, yeah. This is this is overwhelming. It's a heavy, heavy thought. Um, and so, you know, Neil and I were tossing around some different verses as we thought through this. Man, there's several examples of men and women in Scripture who have been afflicted, and um, their affliction is um, devastating to them personally. 
Uh, you think about Paul having the thorn in his flesh, what that is, and he's basically praying to God to remove it. And God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Uh, so we have him. Um, we have, of course, David crying out in the Psalms continually about different things that he's been experiencing, um, the sufferings that he has. But Neil, you had a, a good chapter uh, and verse in Corinthians yeah. that expresses that. Yeah. Uh, and just a note, you know, a lot of people are aware of the thorn in the flesh, right? Yeah. <laughs> and many scholars throughout history have um, tried to nail that down. What was it? Some people say maybe Paul's going blind, you know, <laughs> right. maybe it's this, maybe it's that. What I love about scripture is that it doesn't specifically say. Yes. It, uh, and that to me is helpful. <laughs> because that's the point. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. There are many v- variations of thorns. Is it a demon? Is it blindness? Is it this? Is it that? It doesn't matter. What it is, is a truth and truths and principles relate to all things that people are going through. You know, we have first Corinthians ten thirteen, which talks about um, that anything that we go through, um, we're not alone in. And so that's important. Um, but the text that, um, you know, I think uh, is really helpful is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. I think it is a rich and robust amount to say uh, about this topic and, and these these realities that we're uh, struggling with. And, that, and that's, I love that it's headed as treasure in clay jars. Mm-hmm. There's a treasure in something very fragile inside something very fragile. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever put dishes away as a teenager, but you're going through your clumsy years. <laughs> and my parents used to get really upset with me because it, it it was like every time I did the dishes, I would break a plate or <laughs> break a glass or or something else. And they're like, hey, you know, quit breaking stuff. And it, it's really fragile. You know, or you've you've moved, right? And you've had a television. Specifically, I want to give a shout out to Samsung televisions for their fragility. Um, because I swear, every time I move, I break a television. And it's frustrating, right? Um, because you have something that has some worth, but it's also so fragile. And so Paul, you know, draws this... Um, this parallel, right, to our bodies. And this is what God's word says in verses seven through 18. I'll just read through it, Matt. And then if you want to highlight some certain points, um, feel free. It says this, now we have this treasure in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted but not abandoned we are struck down but not destroyed we always carry the death of jesus in our body so that the life of jesus may also be displayed in our body for we who uh, live are always being given over to death for jesus's sake so that jesus's life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh so then death is at work in us but life in you And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. 
For we uh, know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us in Jesus and present us with you. Indeed, everything is for your benefit so that as grace extends through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So there's Man. so so much happening here in the text. And and the big thing that Paul's drawing to is again the fragility of our bodies. Um the chronic nature, the the countless diagnoses that we will receive over the course of our lives. For me at 24, 25 it was hey your pancreas doesn't work. The reason why you can't see clearly, the reason why you're always thirsty, while you're always using the restroom, while you um, feel so weird right now is because of this. So now what? Right. How do I respond in that situation? And, and for the person who's been going through or dealing with this chronic illness for a long course of life. Um, that for me was almost 10 years ago, you know, and um, I sometimes deal with daily and it becomes hopeless at times. To be honest, like um, I have this reminder every day, every moment I inject myself, Matt, that my life is ending fast. And I'm probably, you know, I mean, I'm a realist, right? Like I'm probably not going to live <laughs> to be a hundred years old, you know, <laughs> like who knows this could affect me at any time. Uh, heart cancer can develop easily from diabetes or other things, right? Uh, that you may be listener struggling with every day over the course of your life. And it feel, may feel hopeless. And Paul is saying, man, this this affliction in every way is going to take your life eventually. But guess what? Because of Christ in you, you are not crushed. You're perplexed over what you have or what you're dealing with, but you're not um, in despair. You're persecuted from others, but God hasn't abandoned you. You've been struck down, but you will not be destroyed. You will die but you will not be destroyed. I love that language because it reminds me of the death that is coming because of the results of sin. But because of the death of Christ, that result, that will not be the final cry. Death won't be it for me. And if you are a follower of the way, if you believe and trust in Jesus, brother, sister, that will not be the ending of your judgment, but there will be a glory to come. And so in the meantime, uh, as your body wastes away, as you are reminded constantly through pain 
and sorrow and suffering, although you may feel like the psalmist, uh, like David says in Psalm 13, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? He has not forgotten you. He has not hidden his face from you. Um, He is with you. And let's let's focus on that for a second. Um, Okay, so I've been dealing with a chronic illness for a long time. Matt, how does that affect my prayer life? What does that mean? I'm glad you brought that up because in verse 15, it says, Indeed, everything is for your benefit, so uh, that as grace extends through, the, through more and more people, it may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. And, and this, this light momentary affliction that you are experiencing compared to the eternal weight of glory is producing in you uh, something greater. Um, it's, it's increasing your capacity to enjoy Jesus. The more you conform to Christ in your suffering by looking through the lens of faith, right? Because we can, we can look at it from a merely temporary perspective, from a, a human perspective, from an earthly perspective and say, yeah, this is miserable. This is terrible. I, I'm, I'm, I'm limited because of this. I will die young because of this. I will um, continue to suffer because of this. But if you look at it from a faith perspective, your prayer is going to begin to reflect that. And there may be um, times of thanking the Lord for the trials because it draws you closer to him. Um, There may be a thankfulness for the temporary nature of life. Uh, Once you recognize that this is temporary, you're not going to dabble in common sins that other people are wasting their lives on. Um, it's, It's frivolous. Right. When you see something, uh, you know, we'll take take soldiers, right? They deploy, they go overseas, um, they come back and their friends and their buddies are all like up in arms about some inconvenience in their life. Uh, You know, maybe the water is out and you just laugh because you're like, yeah, I just spent, you know, so many months in the sandbox without uh, without running water. We had to use a a field shower. We had to pee in tubes, you know, And, and you're just like, this is nothing. Uh, yeah. So in the same way, we get so wrapped up in um, the sins of this world that sometimes it takes some heavy affliction to, to bring us out of that, that mindset um, and turn us to looking to Christ and faith. And so our prayers uh, need to increase with thanksgiving. Uh, we need to find um, ways to thank the Lord for what he is bringing us through. And, and this is hard because, um, you know, this is kind of like a, a Ph.D. level sufferer who is able to see the, the, the joy in it. Um, you know, I think about Joni Erickson Tata and I use this example all the time that she, she said that she, um, pities the mom or the woman who can get up out of bed, go get her coffee and walk out the door and go to work. Uh, she says she pities them because for her, she has to be helped out of bed. She has to be cared for by somebody else. Um, there's an, there's constant pain, constant suffering in her life, a total dependence on other people. And that forces her to turn to the Lord um, in every moment, every second of her day. Um, You know, so for those of us who suffer from sleeplessness or, um, or difficulty in pain, we cry out to God uh, on a regular basis. And we pity those who don't have to think about God for one minute because they jump up. There's no pain in their joints. They grab their coffee and run out the door and they haven't thought about God one time. 
And the greatest joy in my life is being able to be, um, to turn to him in my moments of pain, in my moments of sorrow, to be remember who Christ is and that Christ is a suffering savior um, who promises not to uh, break the, the, the bent reed, the bruised reed. Um, and so we can find great comfort and joy in that. And so our prayers reflect that. So, yeah, you're saying that affliction or suffering or uh, pain, um, all of these things, these physical ailments bring a bring a reality before us, right? We are uh, realizing that this this uh, ever present need of God, right? Yeah. And, and so that should produce in us Thanksgiving. That's right. What, that's right. That's what you're saying. I think also sometimes because of our flesh, because of the deceptiveness of our hearts, even though we have a new heart in Christ, we still deal with this, this deceptive nature. You're saying that um, we can today cry out anew. I, I love in Psalm 13 that David, surely he knows God, right? But he's encountering these different circumstances, obviously, obviously as we know the history of his life, um, being run down, being betrayed often, all of these things, um, that he it, it causes in him agony. And that at times he feels like his enemy is dominating him. Um, but he says things like in Psalm 13, how long Lord? And I think that's an important question because what David understands and friends, we should understand is that these circumstances that arrive, arise in our lives that we struggle with, it's okay to ask God questions. Like the Lord, (laughs) the Lord is there he is intimately invested in the lives of his children. It's okay to ask him questions. Today, I woke up with a very high uh, sugar level. In fact, I wrestled with it the entire night. And it's not because I was eating gummy worms, because I wasn't. I've been eating really good and clean. But something uh, something happened, and I, my body internally was wrestling with it, and it was causing me sleep depravity. It was causing me, uh, other, other effects. Right. And, um, and you might be listening and saying diabetes, Oh, wait till you really deal with something hard, right? Like, um, pain and sufferings relative, uh, to your, your situation. But what this text tells us is we can cry out and we can ask of God, but we should also be reminded, like the Second Corinthians passage, like Psalm 13 talks about, that um, man, God is faithful, that He is present, He's producing in you. Um, Matt, you brought up before we uh, started talking today, Romans 8. Romans 8 has a lot to say to this. What, what are some, some things that we can glean from that passage? Yeah, I love Romans 8, um, 28, 29 just because it's so rich in um, purpose, right? Because it's so easy for us to lose sight. Uh, And and it's, it's a, a, you know, it's a common coffee mug uh, type verse. Everybody puts it on their coffee mug and um, calls it a day. But it says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, 
so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And what I like to emphasize is we can get caught up in some of these words, foreknown, predestined, conformed, but the ultimate purpose of this life, all the good things that work together for those who love God, for believers, is that we are being conformed to the image of his son. Right. That's the whole purpose of everything that we're going through is conformity to his son. And the reason that we we, we cling to this is because his son, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God. He is the glory of God. He is the exact image of what we are supposed to be. Uh, if you look at um, Genesis and you see the fall, man was created in the image of God, male and female, he created them. What happens with the fall? The image is marred, it's damaged. And so we are living with this marred, damaged image. And what what we do as, as believers, when the things that happen to us, we have good things. Even the bad things, the less pleasant things, produce in us uh, good things ultimately. And that good thing is to be conformed to the image of Christ. And this is important because the more we become like Christ, the more we are able to enjoy um, our fellowship with him, the union that we have with him as Christians. And so if, if you would have um, the joy that comes from, from faith in Christ, you have to go through some difficult things. Um, you know, Martin Luther said the three things to making us a, a theologian was, um, and I'm going to butcher this because I forgot the quote, but one of them ultimately was uh, on fetch tongue, which, you know, which was like suffering or yeah. um, unexplainable uh, pain. And he right. said, that's what makes a theologian it's, it's the experience of misery in life. Um, and so what God is doing in you through your chronic illness, through your chronic um, issues is that he is conforming you into the image of his son to make you more like Christ. Hmm. Uh, and so out of that uh, will flow a greater appreciation for the one who suffered for us uh, in exchange for the sins that we deserve, we deserve the eternal weight of glory and what, what I was going to say earlier about the Puritans is they had this view of life that this life is preparation for the next. Yeah. Uh, we are in the world. We are the Israelites in the wilderness preparing to go into the promised land. The things, the testing that we experience here today is in, pre in preparation to receive that, that wonderful gift. And so as we experience life today, uh, we are being prepared for something greater. And so the more suffering that we have here and now means that we are going to be in better prepared to enjoy Christ, to enjoy, enjoy the Lord uh, in the in the future. Uh, and, and that's to me, that's a great comfort as I go through things here that I am being prepared for the eternal weight of glory. Yeah, which is the Puritan way of saying you're being sanctified, right? Um, be made holy. Yeah, you're being made holy. Without, and and this is hard to conceptualize when you're wrestling um, in pain. Um, or <laughs> I remember uh, Matt, I was at a program with Mighty Oaks in Ohio a couple years ago, and or a year and a half or so ago, and I was eating this burrito and uh, fellowshipping with friends, and then all of the sudden, 
all of the pain I have ever experienced in my life hit my abdomen and it I literally fell out of my chair and I had no clue what was going on. And in fact, um, it, I mean, it was just, just nonstop pain. I was crumpled and I'm thinking in my brain, how am I about to teach this next class? <laughs> and, uh, Luis Rivera, a good friend, and he was the program manager for that week. He's like, dude, don't worry about your class. We need to get you to the hospital. And, uh, so they drove me, Justin drove me at, uh, uh, scary speeds <laughs> to, uh, the hospital. I remember thinking like, uh, don't show your butt <laughs> like inside, like, uh, my flesh and my heart might fail God, but you are my strength and portion forever over and over and over again in my head. I'm, I'm reciting this and I get to the hospital and they have no clue what's going on there. There's, they said, we think there's a contusion in your intestines and, um, which means a blockage is occurring and we're probably going to have to cut you open and do all this very crazy surgery on you. And man, I'm like, God, can you change this? Can you change it, please? <laughs> you know, like, I don't know what to do. Um, I, I just want to be faithful. Right. And uh, um, what ends up happening is um, the contusion goes away. Like the blockage stops. It ends. I don't have, uh, I, I can attribute to, man, God did answer that prayer, you know? Um, uh, but he doesn't always, he hasn't taken my diabetes away. I have asked him. Um, and, but it's this constant reminder for me, uh, of the fragility of the, 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 the vapor of life that I have for this earth. But like, what Matt's saying is it's it's a thing that is sanctifying us also as we press in, as we're being renewed in the inner man, in our inner self. And I love that Paul says this in, in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not give up, even though our outer person is being destroyed. Our inner person is being renewed day by day. Um, I love that because... Man, I can dig my heels in on this. Um, it, there's a spiritual battle and a physical battle that we're involved in. And whether you've been struggling with chronic illness for five days or like that was two days for me and it ended, uh, or you've been struggling it, with it for years and years and it uh, feels like it's not ending. How long, Lord, is your prayer? Um, you don't have to give up. You're in the, you're in the fight today and every day over the course of your life. You know, if you'll, you'll notice in Ephesians six, Matt, we we're given this armor of God to put on day by day. It doesn't say that we're giving, we're given armor for our backs. We're given a breastplate. We're given a shield. We're given a sword. We're given a helmet. <laughs> we're given, uh, things for our feet, you know, all of this is for frontal engagement. <laughs> We're not given something for our back. We don't turn and run away uh, from our God, but he gives us what we need to dig in, in front of whatever is fate we're facing with our hope, um, pressure surely upon him because of his faithful love. I think Psalm. an important I think an important thing to to keep in mind with this 
Neil, is that we are in different um, phases in our chronic illness or, or, totally. or whatever affliction we are in. Right. So in the moment with the burrito story, I'm trying not yeah. to make jokes of a very painful, scary situation, yeah. but don't eat at that restaurant. But, <laughs> but, but if you, you know, that the, the, in the moment of pain, what do you do? You cling to God, the promise, you just cry out, Lord, help, help me, help me, help me, help me. Yeah. Um, that may be you. You may be in that moment where you just need little morsels of the word of God that you cling to. But you may be um, pre, before um, some kind of major diagnosis, and yeah. you need to be able to to say, do I have my equipment? Do I have my sword? Do I have my shield? Do I have the helmet? Do I have the breastplate? Am I have wearing the belt of truth? Right? Do I have the gospel of peace? Do I have this with me ready to go for this combat that I'm about to go into? Yeah. Um, or you may be weary and, and heavy laden, and you need to go to Christ for rest. Um, and so there's different areas that we're in. Um, and e each moment you want to respond in faith, right? Um, how am I going to walk with um, the lenses of faith? How am I going to uh, get rid of the sin that so easily entangles um, running this race, casting the things away that I need to cast? But how do I hold on to the truth? And, and that's what you need to consider in the moment. Yeah. Where will your hope lie? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, if your hope is in a, a change in diagnoses, if your hope is in a certain medication, if your hope is in a, a form of treatment and, and it fails, then what? Yeah. No, your hope must be, must be in the eternal, in the imperishable, in the, what is unseen, as Paul says. And so we want to encourage you today, wherever you're at on that scope, Put your hope in God. Make a pre-decision today how you will handle tomorrow. Make the decision in the moment how you will glorify your God, how you will live in his presence today. Put your hope, actively place it in the one who loves you and will take you to glory to glory. Um, because he has done that with his son and he promises it to you today. Guys, we hope you're encouraged. Um, we're praying for you. I don't know who needs to hear this, but I know I needed to talk about it because I'm dealing with it today and every day. Um, we love y'all. We're praying for you. And until next time, Neil and Matt, we out.